Welcome to the Casey Catch-Up. Uh, this week, we chatted to Michael Booth. Um, he was actually in hotel quarantine after a pretty successful campaign um, racing his stand-up paddleboard over in Europe. Um, we talked to him about his learning progress or progression on the foil and, and how it was something that didn't come naturally to him um, and, and how it was a really good thing for him um, when the sup racing stuff stopped last year with the, all the COVID craziness. Um, we also talked about the future of foiling and also sup racing. And we go into um, our experience with Molokai to Oahu on the sup unlimited boards as the sup foils went past us. We discussed that and sort of got into a bit of a discussion on um, our race strategies for that on the sup, which was pretty cool. While this one isn't particularly, isn't 100% foil downwind, it is a lot downwind, a lot sup racing. And a bit, and towards the end, it does get into the future of both sup and foil racing and, and where that's going to go and how it's going to evolve. Something you might have also noticed is I'm not posting every week for the Casey Catch-Up now. I'm trying to do it fortnightly. So every two weeks, I'll be releasing a new episode. That's just because I've been working on a few other things. New website, new surf foil module coming up and just trying to uh, get everything a bit more rounded and polished so that the experience for the Coach Casey Club members is a better one. So if you're liking these videos, subscribe. Um, if you're looking to get more coaching, head to caseyaus.com and look at the Coach Casey Club and have a look at that. But yeah, thanks for tuning in and um, enjoy this chat with Michael Booth. So welcome to the Casey Catcher. We've got Michael Booth. Um, a good mate of mine and competitor and rival, I guess, but it's been epic to sort of, I guess, uh, we've sort of followed the same journey in a lot of ways. He's multiple world champ. Um, we had a really good battle in Molokai to Oahu when Kai and Jeffrey zoomed past us on the foils. Um, but yeah, Boothy, stoked to have you on. And um, currently in quarantine after a successful campaign overseas. So first of all, well done on that. And do you want to give a little recap? on your trip that you just had. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's uh, been a pleasure to obviously firstly come on the podcast, but be racing against you and sort of being the rival that we have been for a long time, but always nice to catch up. Uh, as far as the trip went, yeah, it was great. Um, I guess in a, in a snapshot, we had a lot of good clinics. Um, SUP seems to be an amazing spot in Europe. I had a few good races. Probably had one race that I wasn't so super stoked with, but that happens sometimes. And uh, but overall, just happy to be back racing, like feeling like just grateful to be able to do that again after what was a basically a two week, uh, sorry, a two year force break, which is uh, what a lot of us wouldn't have thought when we were going around in 2019. So yeah, just excited to get back. But there, yeah, the quarantine now two weeks has been not super exciting, but also really good because I was so busy for that sort of five week period when I was traveling and moving around and racing and doing clinics. I went to eight different countries and I don't know, just over just over five weeks, I think it was, and just bouncing around and seeing what was possible again with the travel restrictions that we're so used to here in Australia. You sort of realise how different, how differently different countries are taking the pandemic as well. But um, yeah, also super stoked on um, on foiling, I guess, which is what the the, the main topic, I guess, of this, this yeah. podcast is. Yeah, and it's it's like it's just a chat, and it's and it's about like I'm using it. We spoke before, but I'm using it because I'm in lockdown. It's a good way to connect with people that I haven't seen in a long time. I think the last yeah. time I saw you was 
Aussie titles in Victoria. I think I saw you briefly. Like we didn't even race against each other because you were off and I was in Red. I was in San Fran for the Red Bull event, and we kind of like. No, no, no. We saw each other at Twelve Towers in April. Oh, Twelve well, Towers, of course. Yeah, well, I, yeah, did, I didn't yeah. see you. You're too far ahead. I um. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That was the. That was that. That's almost seems like a distant memory now. It's um. It's been a lot's gone on, and but also not a lot's gone on. Um, and I was, I was actually really stoked to watch you race over in Europe because it's, it's like, I was rooting for you because usually I'm against you. It's like, nah, nah, if, if Boothie's going to beat everyone over there, then I know that at least I'm not super unfit because you, you yeah. flogged me in the, the distance race. But yeah, just for the people that didn't watch and I'm going to, from what I saw, it looks like you won every race except for the ICF, which is probably the one that you really wanted to win. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was, I think so. Yeah. I, I was, it looks like board choice. For you again this is not fully foiling but it's um it's cool to see you own that too i mean yeah i watched your little sort of bit to debrief and that was that was cool to you know even the pros make mistakes and um owning it and learning from it every, every race is a different yeah. experience so yeah yeah cool i think for me for that for that situation was um i had a, a new board like it was obviously lighter than what i'd normally raced against uh it was faster than what i normally paddle on so i was definitely keen on it but i think limited experience on the board was also a factor uh fin choice also i was using um like a, a weed fin because the lake was really weedy mm-hmm. and so i didn't i wanted to use a bigger fin but i didn't want to use the bigger fin because yes it would give me more stability but b there was just so much like really long string weed so you know if you get that core on your on your fin or on your foil you're like or whatever it is you just go go nowhere so i went with like the really small fin but the next weekend i went with a a massive fin like i went with the um i tried out the 37 and i used that one but i I reckon the 44 would almost be better in those messier conditions which i never thought i'd say but Mm. um just for that board and that type and then working out where to stand on the board i just hadn't done enough like just one of those pandemic problems, I guess, with the the shipping delays. So I oh, got yeah. my board, was supposed to arrive in March and then it got delayed and then eventually arrived in Queensland, I think at the end of July. And then Richard wasn't dry, like Richard said he was driving across, but then he was like four weeks late. And then by the time I actually got the board to train on for Worlds, it, it arrived a week after I'd already arrived in, in Europe. So <laughs> um, one of those sort of... Yeah problems but you just have to deal with you have to own it unfortunately i just had never been in windy conditions on that board there was a bit of a wind line off the off the beach and every like most of the time when we were there it was dead flat but when the race happened it was windy and i had another board up the top but i i sort of analyzed the whole performance when i when i finished and i was like well with the information i had before the race i wouldn't have made a different decision if i had my time again so obviously now that i have the hindsight maybe i could but in, in that situation i couldn't have so i had to own it and just and just go yeah. well that's that's the way that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes yeah and i like that the next week you kind of had a rematch with the guy who won gold and and, and you got him which i was like yeah yeah Ricky, that's good so well done yeah yeah it was really cool to have fifth one there to, to race him and i think more so just for my own personal hmm, for sure my mindset because now i don't know when i'm going to race again right like yeah it's, it seems like boards are opening up and stuff maybe early next year we can get back overseas and start doing somewhat of a normal calendar so for me i think i would have stewed on it a little bit more which is, sometimes is good because if you're stewing on it then you're so motivated for such a long period of time but because i won in in prague and i won in denmark didn't have the best performance but i was pretty happy with my sprinting performance even though i had a fall in the final like i was pretty happy to be in there so i knew i was paddling well and then to win again in montenegro against i guess the 
the informed guy in the world at the moment, Titoan Pio, was um, just really nice for me. Yeah, would have been, I guess, it would have made you definitely a happier flight home than, as I said, you would have been stewing on it. So it's always, like you say, a big loss makes you train harder. And if you win too many yeah. things, it's um, sort of makes you a little bit, you, you sort of relax a little. Speaking on making things harder, downwind sup foiling. Let's get into the foil chat. And I know that it wasn't completely easy learning to, to sup foil. Um, obviously, yeah. for those that don't know, like I said earlier, Michael is a very good sup paddler, paddler full stop, like anything paddling and he's a beast. So the fact that I think a lot of people will take a bit of, um, the fact that you had a hard time will make him feel better, I guess, or maybe maybe it won't because the, the power and speed you can generate to get your board moving is so important. Um, do you want to just give us a little snapshot of, of your learning to foil and learning to downwind foil process? Well, I think I started downwind foiling because that was more my thing. Like I like downwinding and in Perth, um, yeah. you've got the, the doctor coming in or the southwesterly breeze coming down the coast almost most days in summer. So I've done a lot of downwinding on the, on the surf ski and on the, on the SUP and it was like, okay, well, this is the next thing. Everyone's doing it. Why not get involved? And I retrofitted a, um, a, like a, a tuttle box into my, like I think it must have been an 8.2 or a 7.8 hypernut um, one mm. of those starboard subs. Yeah. I had the GoFoil maybe 65 mass with the 280 Maliko or something like that. Yeah. Um, that was what I first started on. I, I tried to do the 200 and I found that really hard. So I went, I went to the 280 and obviously you get up, but you go really slow. So you almost go so mm. slow that you stop. Yeah. So um, tell us about that because that's something that a lot of people have been talking about lately. They're learning to get up. And then once yeah. they're up, they're like, the foil is so slow. Like, how would you ever link bumps? But I like from my experience, the 280, yes, it's super slow compared to other foils. It's still yeah. faster than a ski. It's still faster yeah. than a sup, but it's all, it's all yeah. relative. Well, it's all a matter of perspective. Like if mm. you look at something like sup and, and we sort of can go, I don't know, downwards towards that 330 on really good kilometers and then holding under four minutes on our unlimiteds. But when you're talking about foiling, you're like, okay, well, if I'm not going under three, I'm like super slow. But it's like, well, it depends because you've got some guys like Nathan um, who in Perth who doesn't like really going fast. Like, mm. But Marcus likes going really fast. So yeah. Nathan just wants to surf the whole time and Marcus wants to go fast. And Marcus thinks – and they both can't really get the each other's mentality because yeah, yeah. one comes from a racing background from like sailing and, and sup racing and all that different sports. Whereas, yeah, sorry, one comes from like a surfing background, which is, is so different. So what we're trying to, to do, I guess, in, in different – reasoning is is all different but for me i always want to go fast so for me getting up on a 280 you have to find where the bumps are you have to understand where they're coming from and coming from a, a i guess a displacement hole background with the stir ski and, and the stand-up you used to sort of coming down the run and trimming the board or the ski in certain ways you've got to kind of relearn it and sit a lot higher and, and you're searching for things that you definitely couldn't get on the other craft so it's a, it's a different learning experience the whole time yeah, for sure. And I think just then what you said, like uh, sitting higher on the bump is such a, for, for those that already have a downwind paddling experience is something that I know when I was learning myself and then watching Marcus learn over in Maui, he'd always bomb down and then sit low because when we're on those longer crafts, 14 foot um, or 18 foot boards or skis, your nose wants to be at the back. So you're sitting lower in the trough, but your tail is up high. Whereas on a foil board, 
the boards are only like you, you started on like something around eight foot everyone's gone towards six foot now and half the length and you're only on the foil so you've got to be where your tail was so it's that is definitely a learning process that I think we all have to go through especially it's like oh, I already downwind I know how to do it it's like well it's a little bit different even on the foil yeah. even if you have the experience well, to give you an example, and for those people out there who are trying to learn how to downwind foil, like I've done a little bit of the wing dinging, but I did mostly do the downwind foil. So it was quite interesting, even talking to Marcus again, because we, we sort of hang out a lot and we, he mm. obviously helped me a lot with my foiling. We were talking initially about when the dinging came along, I was like, well, what do I want the ding for? Because I can paddle into the thing. And he's like, well, you've learned the hardest way to do it. So you don't really want to go to the back to the easier way to go downwind because once you get up, it's the same as the board. Like it's kind of like the wheels before takeoff. Like your board is only big enough so you can get up and then you kind of don't want the board anymore. If you could, you could just have straps on a pole and that's all you'd need. So mm. um, it's the same thing with the, the dinging. I, I didn't really get into that too much because I liked just downwinding and I know wind sport wasn't really my thing, but there is different reasoning. But going back to like how hard it is. So when I first started, I remember my first paddle back because I'm one of those people who just go out and have a crack and just kill myself until i eventually happy, get happy it. to suffer yeah yeah happy to suffer so i do like a, a free a free to um, city beach which is about 12 kilometers and i would take about i think my first one was an hour and 48 minutes or something i took and it was just like trying to power up get up and then not really know what to do and then come down for and then you get to like 40 minutes and i was like well i have to go to there because that's where i have to finish so i just exhaust myself and eventually end up paddling a lot of the way back but eventually saw those those times decreasing 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 to around that 30 minute mark so it's just that time persistence and, and having the ability to just i don't know be happy to enjoy that learning journey i think that's exactly right and that's you've got to enjoy the new skills that you're learning and i know even myself learning to wing a similar thing i had a really like i didn't learn it straight away it's like learning the skill i, I enjoyed being shit at it like i liked that I was really bad at the start and the fact that I each week I'm like oh I'm getting better at this and there's a wind coming I can practice it again and and as you up your skills it's a good feeling I guess and it's same as like when we paddle our race boards and we're you know getting quicker getting fitter getting stronger that's a good feeling and then when you get less fit it's like oh that's not so good so then you like you might shift your focus into something else and I guess that's something that um, I was chatting to Marcus earlier actually and he was saying that Two years ago, you were really doing a lot of the foil stuff. And then this year, because you're traveling or you did travel for races and obviously a lot more stuff going on at home, you were paddling more your race board and less time on the, on the foil board, which because you've learned it it's, and you've got to a level that you're happy with, you're kind of like, okay, I can tick that one off. And if I want to go back to it, I can. But yeah. um, ha I guess, have you played around with much? Like obviously starting with the Maliko 280, Tell us about your progression from there and I guess as you got faster and start to foil the whole way down the runs, like what yeah, equipment think, changes and that sort of stuff. I think I, I ended up going to one of the starboard hyperfoils. Um, and, and yeah, I, didn't, I definitely haven't done as much as other people. Like I, I'm somebody who loves that beginning process. Like I love being a beginner and learning something, like whether you go snowboarding or skiing or foiling or surfing or whatever it is, like, I like to have the skill to be able to go and do anything or any sport with somebody else. Like even golf, I, was, I, I think golf took over a little bit last year as well because yeah, okay. yeah. You know, I was just trying to learn a different thing and a few people I knew were doing it. So 
I love being a beginner, like you spoke about as well. Like it's just, it's a cool process because you can get better like exponentially. Mm. And then you get to that point where you kind of plateau and it's like, okay, so what am I doing this for? Is there, are there things that I'm going to, to go see? Like, do I enjoy it more than I enjoy the other sports? Do I, um, I don't know, is it, what else can I learn? But the, as far as foils go, I, I definitely went to a longer mask because after that I went to the starboard foils and I was using like a, a 75 mast oh, and then like it was 82 I think with the uh, attachment and then they were getting sort of better with their foils and I was using the um I was using a lot of prototypes te- like by, by Tiesda and uh, I can't remember what we called it but it was the one that Zane used to I think he won the Maui to Molokai with it one year mm-hmm. um and that was a lot faster like I was sort of getting around that 230 mark with, with a lot of my kilometers and averaging under like 240 for a kilometer which i guess is just under that 20 kilometer an hour mark or just yeah, no, sorry, over, probably like, closer to 22s or threes i reckon yeah, yeah that's so, getting quick um i was pretty happy with that but then it's like kind of it kind of became like formula one right like you've got to be on the best gear you've got to be constantly up there and you got to like do that yeah. but then it was like okay but what am i doing that for like am i really going to nose an extra kilometer or an extra 0.5 down the perth coastline not really because it's a matter of perspective like and how am i enjoying this because I come from a background where I like the physicality of sports. I like being fit. I like, you know, when I finish an hour of a workout, I, lo- I like that feeling. So the better you got, the easier it was. Yeah. Like obviously you had to be more skillful. You had to make quicker decisions, but that also had to become more natural. So I think that's where I kind of lost it a little bit because I was like, okay, well, we're not kind of racing. We're not, mm. like we're just doing it for fun. It's like, okay, well, because I've got a lot of other things going on, I kind of had to take my focus back to that. And it's a but, fair chunk of time, a downwind foil. Like if you're doing the whole process in under yeah. an hour and a half, like that's that's pretty good. Like that's pretty well organized. Yeah, but then you also enjoy the process of going slower. I actually found that like when I got back on my stuff or something like that, I was like, okay, well, if I drive half an hour down the coast, it takes me like 45 minutes to an hour to get back. Whereas yeah. if I do it on a foil, it takes like 20 minutes. I know. Like, Damn, I've got to like do another one. And like yeah. the drive is like double the time of the paddle. Yeah, that exa- I totally, that, that's, ex- I'm the same, like, I, no, a normal run was 12Ks, um, Avalon to Brownwater, and now, especially last year, I was going to Palm Beach and trying to finish it at Manly, just so I, I have to go, to get an hour of time, like, on a SUP would be 12Ks, on a foil, it's 24Ks, you know, it's literally, that's the difference, it's yeah. now become, um, for all the logistics, it's kind of like, well, as you said, if I want to get fit, Foiling for 20 minutes down the coast, yeah, it's, it's anaerobic, but it's 20 minutes. Whereas paddling on a SUP, it's also like anaerobic when we downwind, but it's only for, it's for a longer time. So you get fitness wise, you're going to get stronger and time management. And it's like, I did a run the other day, just a, a, a prone downwind foil from Narrabeen back to Colorado. It's like three or four kilometers. And yeah. Lana picked me up and I went with a few mates and she's like, so how long were you actually foiling for? And it was, I think we measured it and I was actually out on the water for 15 minutes and like from start to finish and the logistics involved, it took us an hour and a half, you know? So it's yeah. like, it's just, you're not going to be doing that. It's, that's going to wear on you eventually. And especially for someone like yourself and, and, and me as well, like you need to get, you want to get, fitter and there's a point where if you're not racing someone and not trying to get quicker and you know if we're stuck in the one spot yeah you know who are we racing and and like nathan and uh, nathan and um 
Marcus, like Marcus is trying to go as fast as he can and, and Nathan's surfing, maybe surfing's the better option, but still it's not like you're getting a, a sweat on like you would paddle. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a really interesting one. And I guess it's like based around the user and based around what the person wants to achieve out of it. But it's, yeah, it's for me, it was always like, it got to the point where I was like, okay, when I was first starting out, it was a real, it was a real work. It was the hardest yeah, workout in the so, world. Like I was like, sure. my heart rates. I was like, oh my God, like I can't go any harder this time. I felt like I got better at sprinting after yeah. doing that foiling stuff because yeah. it was just so hard to pull myself out of the water. Mm. This had to practice it so much, whereas I'd never do that normally because I'd always focus on the distance racing. So mm. that was, that was a, that was an added benefit, I guess. That's why you got better at sprinting. <laughs> yeah, I reckon it was, honestly. Yeah. Like I remember Olivia um, Piana said the same thing after she won the 200 at the ICF in China. Yeah. in 2019 she's like oh i just i was just foiling heats and i was like learning so i had to sprint a lot to get the foil up and then like I, then i won a sprint it was uh, kind of random and yeah <laughs> i was like yeah, i, I kind of relate like i'm not winning sprints but i definitely got better yeah no it's interesting it's cross training yeah. in in a sick it's, a, it's real resistance training when you're not getting up that's for sure um tell us about some of these new starboard foils that you were testing because i guess i haven't seen a lot of them around um but yeah. i've you know the times are obviously quick marcus i was chatting to marcus when you had some of the new stuff and he said that you were going so fast down the coast like when you were up and going he said you were going so quick but he said you were making a couple of mistakes that yeah. was the only reason he caught you up yeah well i think when we were when we were going together i can't remember what the um i can't remember what the prototype was using but i ended up going back to like the the newer starboard one so we had the e-type 1700 and the e-type 1300 and that's where i'd consistently average around that like like just under that 240 mark mm -hmm. i'll go a little bit faster a little bit slower the 1700 was probably like five seconds a k slower mm -hmm. but obviously a lot easier to stay high but when you get faster it was like a lot harder to keep down that yep. was the that was kind of the issue and then you've kind of got that trim tab at the back when i was using like the 250 but what was cool about the starboard ones like once i set it up like especially to the trim at the back, like you could obviously go further back for more lift or further forward for less lift. Mm -hmm. But once I screwed that in, I'd only have to really push it in and then screw one hole for like the rear, the, the tail. Mm -hmm. And then it was only one hole for the front. So that was something I liked because I had those like, um, I don't know what you call them, like jaws that open up. Yeah, and yeah. I found that, that I put an extra screw in just because I was like, oh, maybe I just, I'd rather keep it and <laughs> make sure it's safe. But for me, that was, I really liked that because it was just less screwing. Yeah, yeah. Um, less, I remember when less... I was first starting out, like, I was just like, all right, like, unless I kept the foil on, mm. it'd just be like, like, I think it was like four screws, top and bottom, um, especially with the, even with the starboard ones at the beginning, it was like, yeah, it was like 10 screws to get started. And it was just like so much of, you know, yeah. turning. I got a drill and like, you know, <laughs> it was just, it was, it was too much for me. It was too much setup. Yeah, I totally, I went for a shortboard surf the other day and I, I felt like I'd forgotten something. You know, I, I literally just grabbed my board, went for a surf, came back, and I'm like, where's my paddle? Where's my screwdriver? Where's the bolts? Where's the, like, front wing, back wing? And I've been doing lots of winging as well. And it's like, you got your foil set up. You got your leg ropes. You got your, you got to pump your wing up. And it's like, maybe I'm making this too complicated, but it's, yeah. <laughs> it's good to yeah, the pumping, take it back. Yeah. Well, that was the thing going from even stand-up, because stand-up was just like, you have your board and you're, yeah, it's like, you got to tie it on or whatever. But then when you get to the water, you just take it off when you get in the water. And then I, w I was really not used to the whole like setting up or like, especially when you went like um, dinging. And when I was learning down at, um, uh, there's that point there just across from Cottesloe. I always forget the name of it, but a lot of guys uh, are dinging there in Perth. And 
I go down there and it take me like 40 minutes to get there. Then I get there. Then I take like 20 minutes to set up, set up. and then I get on. And I was like, and then you're 20 minutes to pack down and then another 40 minutes to get home. Yeah. 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 And I'd end up driving home in traffic every time. As well. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh, I just, I can't do this. It's I'm not sure hard. this is for me. Yeah. They definitely, yeah. they becomes a line where it's like, all right, as you said, how much do I want to do this? Like, and that's, I'm sure a lot of people downwind foiling and you being, you know, someone who likes to suffer, probably by the sounds of it, you enjoyed the learning process more than, maybe not more than, but you enjoyed the, the workout of the learning process a lot. And then once you got it, you're like, huh, well, this is... Yeah, well, it was, it was the workout, but then it was also the, the ability to learn and get better at something and, and to improve. That's what I really enjoyed doing. It was, it was really about that. And then once I kind of got to a level, like I'm nowhere near the level of like some of the things that I see people doing now, like... People are jumping crazy. and yeah. going super fast. But I guess like the main thing at the moment seems to be the dinging stuff. And I didn't really get into that. But yeah, it's pretty incredible to see the progression and to see um, how much everybody's improving all the time. But yeah, I think once it gets a little bit more established and there's some sort of pathway, I think I'll get yeah. more into it. Whereas now it's just kind of like free foiling or free surfing essentially. Yeah. So um, it's not really someone who I've been my whole life. Like I've always competed or raced or yeah, you know, had a with, goal with the goal in mind. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I, that's I totally get that. Um, one, how much did you like? How much dinging have you done? Are you dinging? Like, yeah, do you have a ding? Do, are you still going out? And you, yeah. So I have that um, that Airrush uh, starboard one that um, they brought out. I have one of those at four meters and one of those at five meters. Mm-hmm um the four meter one's the one that i learned with and did a lot with like i went up with uh, marcus to xmouth last year and i really kind of learned how to go out and back and was doing jibes i uh, was str- was trying to learn tax and never really got that but for me once i learned how to go out and back i was like okay well where to next like i don't really want to jump because if i jump there's like potential for injury which could affect yeah. all the other stuff that i'm doing so i don't really want to do that so yeah where do I kind of go from here? And that's kind of where I went, okay, I don't really want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I totally, yeah. like I was just chatting, as I said, I was chatting to Marcus before and he's just landed his first 360. So sort of up into the wind, spinning towards yeah. it. And and I said to him like, you know, why? I was like, what's the point? And like, I'm probably similar to you. I don't want to injure myself doing a jump or damage gear or, and it's just, I've never been a freestyle guy, even surfing, uh, you know, the sup racing, obviously there's not much freestyle in sup racing. Um, yeah. I'm not doing any airs. Um, I've never been an air guy and I, I'm to- I respect and am amazed at what people are doing now. It's crazy. Like the back flips and double back flips and front flips is just wow. But yeah. do I want to do it? I don't know. At the moment, the answer is no. I don't even have straps on my boards. So it's like, I'm happy to just stay on the wave and sort of do turns. And what I was going to say is the two things. One, wing wave riding is epic. That's something that I love doing. And I think there's a few spots in WA. I'd imagine um, off, what are the, off the Centaur marker, there's a few reefs out there, aren't there, that you can... Yeah, so off Hillary's, you can go out to the islands, off the uh, yeah. Seal Island and that type of thing. So that would be a good spot to do it, but um, I don't know, you kind of just end up getting sucked into going downwinding when the wind's up. So it's yeah. one of those things. Yeah. And then the other thing, I guess, uh, I guess something that'll make you, if you want the challenge, winging up wind is hard on the forearms. Like I'm probably going to get myself a harness. 
But if you wing upwind yep. and then do your downwinder, it's kind of an efficient, time efficient downwinder. Like, you know, on the SUP or a ski, you can paddle upwind and then paddle back down. I guess the equivalent for foiling is winging, yep. you know, sailing upwind, tacking or jiving up. And then I've been doing the deflate and you can either deflate and paddle up or deflate and just hope you don't come down and pump back so, up. If so you do, do. You, do you sling your, your sling your paddle over your shoulder like Dave Kalama and then, and then ding into it and then put deflate and then do it or do you deflate as you're going? So the, originally I started, I was dinging upwind and then I'd actually just sit down, pack everything up, put it into a backpack and then, yeah, paddle up and paddle out of the sling or backpack. Yeah. Um, and I was just paddling up with the, I guess, the wet wing in the backpack, deflated. And then I one day I clicked, it clicked. I'm like, why don't I just deflate while I'm going? Because I was already up and foiling. So I just yeah. deflated it and just sort of, you know, had it like wrapped it up under my arm and I had the paddle on my back still. And I'm like, if I don't come down, I won't need the paddle. So I just kept going. And then the next time I went out and I'm like, I'm going to try pump up. If I come down, I'm going to pump, use the, like a, the, the kite pump or the wing pump to, to get, get it up going again. And it worked. Not like it, it worked. I could pump up in the water and it wasn't, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's fun, but it's yeah. possible, you know? So it's, it was, for me, it was a cool, I got a light bulb moment. Okay. When we downwind, we don't need a paddle. We could just use, we need to use something to chip in. And so obviously the paddle to me and you is pretty second nature. We know how that works, but there's a lot of people wingings boomed. I know in Perth, especially, but everywhere, yeah. it seems like wings booming and lots of people want to learn to downwind and free winging. As you know, it's kind of like taking a step backwards. So yeah. deflating it, you're doing the same thing all of a sudden because the wings not, yeah. you know, getting in your way like this. So yeah, that um, was the that was the thing that I learned. I went and did a downwinder on like a northerly, and I wasn't like super good at this stage. Like I couldn't really go out and back properly, and it was really light winds. We all like struggled. I think it was like myself, Nick, um, Marcus, and Nathan. And geez, it was like really light winds. I only had a four meter at that stage, so like mm. I, I had like the free wing version one, and then I, I've got the free wing version two, but like in the in the five meter now. So like it's better for that around that twelve knots. Mm-hmm. Whereas the four meter is kind of only really good once you get over fifteen to eighteen, yeah. or like you can sort of. Because once you're up, you're fine, but it's just getting getting up. That's I totally agree. Getting up is the pain in the ass, and it's especially yeah. so here. You in got Sydney. better. You get better at like pumping it and like mm. you know using the car. And I, I was never doing it a lot like some of the other people who were just obsessed with it. You know, like yeah. I've I've met a few people now, and it's like they've just gone from everything else. They just cancelled everything else, and they're just doing um ding dinging now, which is which is great, I guess, if they if they're really yeah. enjoying it. And they're getting out in the water. That's what they want to do, but. Yeah, we we're going back and forth. It was just like a nightmare. I was like, I just don't, I just didn't enjoy that. That sucked. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, to me, like when I used to wind, I used to kite surf too, and I was always kite surfing to get to the waves when it's windy, and it's a means to surf the waves when the wind is strong. For me, yeah. the winging, it's the same thing. It's a means to surf the waves or all the bumps when the wind is strong. And yeah. the guys that just go out and back, cool if that's what you enjoy but to me like me and my family like my dad and brother we'd say oh you know those guys are mowing the lawn they're just going up and back and up and back and it's like that's cool but it's not for me it's not something that i want to do i'd prefer to paddle up and back at least i get fit whereas sailing i feel like i'm not getting much out of it except for a forearm pump yeah well it's yeah it's really interesting because i had that same experience and that same thought process when i was um down in perth and i was at that i'm trying to find it now on the map actually and uh, that down in um, Point Walter. So it's like where a lot of the guys go on the Swan River. And I was going out and back. And as you said, like it's a good kind of analogy mowing the lawn. Like I literally just going out and back and I was just trying to go as fast as I can upwind and as fast as I can back, like back along the wind. And 
got to the point where I saw the guys at the King of the Cuts and there was heaps of um, wingers doing it. And, and like I was going down and I was surfing on my Unlimited and I looked across and they just like powered on and just going hard the whole way. And yeah. I was like, I don't know. It's not, that's just not me. Like, I think it's awesome that guys love that. But yeah. to me, I was just like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, it just doesn't, doesn't it's, it doesn't it's not downwinding. Me. It's not, it's, it's like, it's not the mountain bike track that I guess you and I, you know, like it's uh, downwind to me is it's an ever changing, you know, valleys and troughs and peaks and you're trying to pick the right way. It's like a maze. Um, yeah. and, and to go faster, sometimes you got to paddle harder, but sometimes you don't have to paddle harder. It's a little bit of finesse, but it's cool that it's that little bit of both. Whereas yeah. just like I call it power digging, the guy's just like sheeting in on the biggest wing they've got and they're just going, yeah. Right. It's, they're almost. But that's also incredible. Like in the windsurfing, oh. you see those guys. I met one uh, guy at one of the clinics that I did in Sweden, Mick, and he was a, a power windsurfer, a power windsurfer. And like they yeah. get like top speeds being, I don't know, like what it is. It must have been like 60 kilometers an crazy. hour or something. Crazy. Yeah. And they're just powered on, just going super hard. And you watch some of their videos, which is crazy. Like, and it's also cool too. Um, but just not, just not me. I'm the same. It's, it's just, I don't, to me, they're kind of, they're relying on certain conditions to get that, you know, that max speed that they're after that 60 Ks per hour. I, actually, my boss, when I used to work for WeatherZone, he was a windsurfer and he loved the, the speed stuff. He punctured a lung on Sydney Harbour going so fast. He's had this big wipeout and, you know, just everywhere. And yeah, he, he nearly died because he was going so fast in the high speed crash. He just, you know, bounced along the water. Um, yeah. Absolute madman. Um, but yeah, he, he nearly lost his life doing it, which crazy, but I guess everything's, everything's risky. But to me, I'm similar to you in that going fast in a straight line, it's F1. It's, 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 and like we just touched on before, like the different equipment makes such a big difference. So I don't know, let's, why don't yeah. we talk about that? Like the different speeds that I guess you found you were going downwind just from changing foils or, or boards or paddle sizes. So, so what size board are you using now and what size foil and paddle as well? So I think I'm using the 5.8 Hyperfoil now. So it's a lot mm -hmm. smaller than what I originally started with. But what you saw was the boards got thicker. Yeah. Um, originally, they were obviously quite thin and they were made for surfing and you're retrofitting things in because you're just trying to like, I don't know, get involved with the newest thing. Um, but I found that, yeah, I went for like a, a shorter board, thicker base, um, something that obviously has the foil that's going to go straight down. Um, obviously, originally we were having yeah, that sort of kickback angle because of yeah. the surfing. Everybody sort of fixed that up pretty quickly. Having that 75 um, mass and then uh, basically always using the 1300 or the um, 1700 E-type. But the fastest foil I've been on was the actually the 1500 X-type, which is like a starboard wing. That's actually the... I don't, I don't know if they have it in, in stock anymore, but it's it's the main sort of winging um, okay. yeah. one that they use. They have the 1100X type, and I was using the, the 1500 for downwinding, and that was definitely my fastest my fastest um, foil by far. Like, that would easily be hitting that, like, two minutes 30 as long as I wasn't getting weed, like, consistently. I could mm. bang that out as long as I wasn't making mistakes, which is something that I was definitely doing because I wasn't <laughs> out there every day honing yeah. my skills. But the cool progression was um, just going fast. And like you're talking about like that guy punching his lung when he was on Sydney Harbour. I've had some falls on the foil, especially around um, North Beach, like uh, in between Trig and Sorrento in Perth. Mm -hmm. yeah, the swell sort of comes in a little bit more. 
and it's about I reckon I've hit like about 30 clicks or something like that around that period and had big falls coming off the top and I like like winded myself and like felt like I sort of almost could knock myself out at that speed oh. you know yeah, yeah. you're coming you're coming down fast and like you're trying to trim properly especially on the the problem is when you're on the bigger wing so like when I was originally going hard like I was on the 2000 and say Marcus was on like the 1700 at that point and because I'm like an 80 kilo guy I can't really go on what like say like the Spencer brothers are on who are like under 70 kilos and that type of thing because it's a lot easier than you have the same sort of thing yeah. I think yeah you're obviously a lot better than me but you We've had that same issue getting it out of the water. We need out, we need windier like, conditions to keep keep up with those boys. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, when I had falls um, on that, because you're constantly pushing, and then at the faster you get, the more lift and the more the, like the thing is like, and it becomes such a fine line between coming off and making a mistake or, or maintaining that awesome speed because you kind of got to come out of it. And that was something Marcus taught me actually. Um, when you're coming down as well, like try and bring it out and then surf around over the next one rather than mm. trying to come down and then go over the top. Yeah. That's what I was doing heaps of. Like I was just getting super power down, accelerate through the bottom of the wave and then accelerate over and then yeah. come down again. And that's where I'd make a mistake. So I do that a couple of times and then my legs just couldn't hold that finesse. Oh yeah. And I guess that's, that's the, 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 the guy who likes to suffer and work hard in you. You love going up and over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's but, it. Yeah, Marcus is the, I've always called him the turtle. You know, he's always going to find the easiest way to do it. He's going to glide around it. And, you know, yeah. you and I know we've, we've watched him downwind for, for years and, you know, he'll take the easy option. He's never going to paddle up and over something. He'll no. be like, oh, wait, that, let that one go. So it's, no, the, one, the really good thing about Marcus was he's super patient because I remember originally when I was starting out falling and I was like suffering and trying to like work this out. He, he'd like just, he could do it already, but he'd just wait for me. Yeah. And his and his like thought process was well if I can get other people to do it then I've got other people to do it with so I was yeah. like oh it's kind of kind of yeah. cool that he actually spent the time to help me get it because yeah it was a frustrating process for me because I, I knew I could do it and then I could I get up and I just make so many mistakes like I'd fall like a hundred times and I'd fall like fifty times and I was like twenty ten <laughs> and I was like my goal was just to like not fall in a run sometimes. That was that was always the goal towards the end. I was like, if I don't fall, then I'll have a better experience. Even if I go like two seconds a kilometer slower, oh, yeah. But it's just in my in my psyche, I always want to go as fast. We as all want to go fast. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the racer within us, and that's like I guess Mark, yeah. and that's the opposite of you know Nathan, who's he's like, yeah, I'm happy to fall. Like I just surf more, and I know Marcus has said to me, he's like, I don't understand what Nathan does. Like, what's he doing? He's a <laughs> yeah he's turning, which is um, I think that's a really good way to. I guess explain it and I think the racing should be left to the races maybe like obviously training for races is great but at the moment like you said it's there's not like there's a um like one of the guys in France invited me to a downwind sup downwind foil event and I was like oh well, lockdown it's going to be hard um Greg Closier, the Corsica Corsica uh, paddle trophy or something like that could be yeah yeah, yeah I think they have like a sub race in it and they they, they they messaged me as well but I, I definitely am not going because it's just yeah you're, we're, we're back here and home or yeah. Fortress Australia doing, <laughs> yeah I'm not, I'm not getting out of the Fortress again this year that's for sure um, but yeah like if, if there is racing because I know like um, in 2019 we were leading towards racing I was talking remember to, to Tiesta and I was like okay well if there's a, a downwind race for up on one day and then a downwind race for the foil the next day like I'll, I'll happily hang around and do it because i'll be there and yeah. yes i'm not going to be the fastest guy but it'll be, be fun about doing prototypes of racing and like different ones in different conditions and 
And then it sort of just kind of fell away because it just was at that period where COVID kind of shut everything down. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that sort of discussions are happening. I'm hoping once COVID sort of becomes less of a roadblock that with that it does happen. And what I'm worried about is that winging has become so big that the downwind sup foiling is probably just a minority. You know, it's yep. the, the wing events, like it'd be, you'd be silly to, to run a downwind foil event and not a wing event because how many downwind people are downwinding are actually going to be um, competing or entering. Whereas a wing event, you're going to get probably hundreds to thousands if you can, you know, get, put a good event together. Whereas I think a downwind sup event, I would say is probably only, I'd, I'd be surprised if there are, you know, a thousand people worldwide that would want to go to a downwind sup foil event at this stage anyway. And I guess one of the reasons I've started this podcast is to try to encourage more people to do the downwind foiling and whether it be on a prone with a, you know, if you've got a good, good course like they do in um, Oahu or whether it's supping or whether it's winging and, you know, doing the deflate or pack down, however you want to do it. So that's something that I've, I'm passionate about and I want that to be something that I want to go travel to races eventually one day, like a Molokai yeah. to Oahu. Um, but like you, I would love for it to be, you know, a sup race on one day and then the downwind foil event on the next. Um, I've been talking to the Molokai to Oahu guys and trying to persuade them to have it separate because the Molokai to Oahu foil, while it's an epic, epic course, the foil, it doesn't really make sense because that last three kilometers is almost completely upwind. So anyone that would ever dream of doing that event would literally have to paddle in. Most people would have to paddle in unless you're Kyle Lenny who, who pumps up wind um, with, with yeah. no waves, but literally like no one else was doing that, you know? Yeah. That was incredible to watch actually. That, Wasn't that it? finish coming yeah. past uh, poor, poor, was it, was it Jeffrey? Jeffrey. Yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey. Poor guy. Yeah. You've got, you probably paddled past him too. I paddled past and he was just broken. And um, yeah. yeah. Cause you, did you see Kai go past you? I didn't see Kai go past me. I saw some guy coming along the wall really quickly. And yeah. I think that probably was him. But uh, we were a little bit wide. You were really wide. We were, I was like, really wide. We got so uh, carried away in the race. Actually, why don't we talk about that? Because we haven't really had a good debrief on, yeah. on that. So Michael and I had an epic battle the last time Molokai Tua who was on. And um, unfortunately, Travis had hurt his ribs and Connor was competing in the Pan Ams. So it was, it was kind of a three-horse race between me, you and Kenny. And it got within the first 10 Ks, Kenny, you and I were all there. And then sort of in the middle, it was just this ding dong battle. It was pretty epic thinking yeah. back. I'm like, man, I want another race like that. And I'm getting tingles just thinking yeah. about it. And we both definitely went out too hard in hindsight. Um, yeah. I think you were a little bit more too hard than I did. Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, what, do I, what do I want to say? That, that middle bit, like you, you got away from me. It was probably the 25 to 30, maybe even further, 35 kilometer mark. And you had a good lead on me. And I remember thinking, yeah. man, if, he, if, if I don't get back up to him here, I'm probably like done. And I'm not sure yeah. if you remembered that sort of section in the race where you had oh, a yeah, yeah, good... for sure. I remember that yeah. race pretty well because I like, it was a race of attrition because I don't think we were both really feeling very good. Um, it was one of those races for me where, I hadn't really had the best preparation, but mm. it was just like, I want to go over there and compete and, and I can't help myself. I've been going from, I was, I was racing for, yeah. for like two months and That's right. I flew straight to Hawaii, jumped on Unlimited and tried to race 50 kilometers. And it was one of those 
times where you're like, okay, well, I kind of overestimated my capabilities at that point because once I hit 30K, everything sort of fell apart. But I made human, huge mistakes in that race as well. Like, I didn't drink water till about two hours. Yeah. And, like, and you that's... know, like just simple stuff like that. Like, of course I'm going to fall apart. Like, I was cramping like uncontrollably, like yeah. the last two hours. And I, I just wanted to finish because, like, my family was on the boat and I was like, I can't not finish, but mm. I really don't want to finish at this point. Yeah. But I had to keep going. But I could tell that you were hurting as well. Oh. And you were fall- I don't think you were falling. I think I was falling heaps. That was my issue. Once I started cramping, like, I, I'd try and like hold my board up and then I just like get one really big cramp. But yeah, I, we just, we just went out way too hard for a race like that. And I learned, I learned the hard way what my capabilities were on that day. I think. Yeah. You, you were the full on rabbit that day. You, you took off and I'm like, Oh, all right, let's yeah. go Boothy. Let's do it. Yeah. And I was just like, I can't let him out of my sights. That was my, I'm like, I'll let him get ahead, but I don't want to let him get out of sight. And um, yeah, I, yeah you, you went out too hard mate <laughs> yeah well i think that was my strategy because i knew i didn't have the kilometers in me like i hadn't paddled 50 kilometers at any point that year like yeah. i hadn't paddled even more than 20 kilometers that year so mm. and then like when you're overseas you can't really get more yeah. than like 40 to 50 k's in a week if you're racing every weekend you're traveling in between spots so for me it was kind of like almost like a mind game i was just like okay well if i can get out and yeah. just hurt him mentally then maybe I could put doubts in his mind because obviously you trained specifically for that race. So yeah, me, I was like, if I can get out in front and put doubts in his mind that he is going to like suffer and not, and not like sort of do as well. That was kind of like my tactic, but it yeah. failed. So <laughs> the way it was, so I knew I couldn't get to the end like comfortably. Like I just, it was know, always going to be, yeah. I, yeah. I feel like it was definitely, like, as you said, battle of attrition. And, and within myself, I remember letting you, I'm like, I'll let him go because I don't want to, like, I know that, I know my capabilities and what I've trained for. And this speed is probably, it's too fast for me, but I want to stay within, like I said, that rubber band. You don't want to let that snap because then it's gone. Um, yeah. I remember thinking at one point, I'm like, man, I'm, that rubber band was nearly snapped. And I'm like, I've got to, I've got to keep within reach here. And, and I think you might've had a fall yeah. and right in front of me, and you got back up and you caught the next bump and you went straight past me. And I'm like, I was cool with that. I remember in my head, I'm like, all right, that's all right. I know how much energy you've just spent to, to fall off, jump back on and, and go. And I'm like, he's ahead yeah. now, but I know that was a loss for him. Like in my, it was in my head, which obviously, you know. Oh fall. yeah. And that was yeah. one of like 30 falls after that. Like That I was the only one I saw though. So I was like, within my head, I'm like, okay, that's his yeah. first fall. Maybe it's, you know, and so. Yeah. But I know at the end, obviously you said you were falling, but I, I didn't fall. My, my goal was to, to not fall in, not because I didn't want to fall in, but just as you get tired, it just takes off so much energy. So I was happy to go slower. And as a, you know, like you cramping, go slower to, to just reduce that energy. And towards the end, I know definitely you caught me back up. Whether you got a second wind or I was just broken by then, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, all the line I was I really surprised. Yeah, I was really yeah. surprised because I was like, just I was like finished like yeah. I, once I hit like maybe two and a half hours my race is over it was just about getting to the end mm. and I remember seeing you up ahead and I was like I feel like I'm catching him what's like what's wrong with him like, yeah. what, like what's going on here like yeah. I'm like I'm finished like I can't even I can barely stand on my board the worst bit was was when I'd fall and I'd try and get back on and like I'd put my arm on my board and that would cramp and I was like okay if I can just get onto the board then I, I'll cramp through my legs and I'll cramp through my abs. And then once I get paddling, I do like five strokes. I'll generally get rid of a lot of the cramps. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, that was a, 
Yeah, probably the hardest, probably the hardest race I've ever done, and like a big mental achievement for me because oh, I definitely didn't want to finish. That bad. Yeah, and I, and I think similar. I remember the first time I did Molokai um, on a stand up, well, first time ever. A lot of it was the flat year in 2017, I think it was, or 2016, and so many people pulled out. And yeah. I was my first time. It was such a mission to get there, organizing a boat, accommodation, all of that. And I'm like, how are these people pulling out? Like I think similar to you the amount of time and effort for us Aussies to get over there and do it. I don't think yeah. there are many Aussies that are pulling out of those events because it's like, nah, yeah. <laughs> I need to get across this finish line. Well, and then you've like, you've, you've spent, like I know you did a lot of testing with your prototypes yeah. as well. And like I'd gone, I'd flown over to Thailand like earlier in that year to like design a board. I can probably not, as I didn't have the time and effort to do no, it. Yeah. You did, but I just basically got one chance to help design a board each year and Starboard gave me that opportunity um, and then we designed a good board for the following year as well. And I was like, yep, I'm going to train for it properly and, and do it, but didn't get that opportunity. So hopefully we can get back to it next year or the year after or something like that. I don't know, but just do yeah. that race again. And I, and I'd like to see more people race on the subs. Like I know unlimited's kind of fallen away because of all the other things coming yeah. in, but it's still, it's still something that in my, and probably your eyes is something that is quite cool. And if, if that, that's enough, like you only need a couple of people to race. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And even though there was well, basically that year was just you and I, that was plenty of people for me. Like we had, I'd never been so close or in such a close battle mid-channel with anyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Usually it's far more spread out, but we were sticking to each other that year and it was, yeah, thanks for the race, mate. That was epic. And Yeah. Well, like at the end of the day, your competitors make your race. Like you're not going to, you have those stories and those experiences without your competitors. And like, you learn to appreciate that a lot more, I think, as you get older, I think mm. when you're younger, you're a bit more of like a young bull and you're like, oh, yeah, I yeah. hate everybody that I'm get racing against. Way. But yeah, yeah. as you get older, you sort of learn to appreciate those because you don't know how many more of those you're going to have. That's it. Especially at the moment we're sitting here in Australia and, um, and unlimited it's become less and less. I think it's been a combination of the, the rise of the foil, but also, um, you know, the winging and 14, it just gets a little bit too confusing with all the different uh, divisions now. Um, I know King of the Cut's probably been a, um, a good example of that, but like last year, how many Unlimiteds? Like obviously it was just a local event last year, but how many Unlimiteds were, were, were in the event? I couldn't tell you, but I think there was only like 40 or 50 subs altogether. And obviously there was no international or domestic like travelers coming across so yeah but i think there was definitely more like dings and there was uh, stand-ups in that division but if you're talking about stand-ups in general in australia i think there's just no real direction from anywhere like you've got the little clubs who sort of putting things together but there's no pathway that's what i keep speaking about like if you go to europe like world champs 51 countries 500 people turned up like every race you go to you kind of almost as an athlete you feel like a celebrity in a way because mm. like you're signing autographs you're getting photos non-stop it, it sort of becomes too much after a period but there's clear they're, they're setting up clear pathways for athletes they're setting up clear like club directions they're, they're setting up board sizes like it's really organized we're here in australia i think because there's so many different sports and surfing australia doesn't really care about the sport and so i Paddle Australia, I don't even know if they know stuff exists yet. Yeah. Um, so, like, we're, we're in a really weird spot. Like, I have had, had conversations, but nothing's really come to fruition. And until that happens... It's going to be the I same. Just, Limbo. It's going to be the same. But, like, that's just the way it is. Uh, and I think it doesn't matter what it is. Like, I think winging and, and downwind foiling as well, like, won't really have any direction until someone actually creates some guidelines, creates the federation, creates clubs. Like, 
and creates like so when the juniors are coming through like oh, i can do that because i can go to here and i can do the world championships so I can yeah do it's do. like at the moment like there's a few local groms who are you know paddling well and, and foiling well and, and winging well but it's like they've got no direction they're just sort of you know if if a you know aussie titles for um surf life savings on they're going to go do that because that's something they can train towards and there's a group of people doing it with them whereas for sup in australia for especially for the newer sports foiling winging and, and sup down wind it's it's like okay well you can go do this but it's kind of like you're doing it on your own and it's you're not yeah. doing it with any mates so how are you going to convince a you know 14 15 year old kid to you know come do sup with me because you know there's this one event that you can race and win because there's no one else to race against you know at the moment it's a really weird um where, I think and where does it fit like it, it doesn't like you've got all these big clubs for surf life saving on like every beach in the country and mm. like i'd almost like to see those clubs become water sports clubs but surf life saving kind of has a stranglehold on that junior sort of water sports development mm. um, i know surfing does a little bit of stuff with their surfers and has some junior camps that type of thing but still even not like i grew up surfing and there wasn't really a good pathway for me either like i was shortboard surfing and motorboat board riders and i and I won out a couple of times and it wasn't a super competitive club, but because there was motorbike board riders didn't really compete in many of the surf tags or the local competitions. They didn't, while there is the pathways, they weren't, super, they weren't pushing. It was more of a social club, I guess. And so yeah. because of that, I, I went full on into rugby because rugby was, was a pathway, you know? Yeah. And then the only reason I ever got into stand up was because I went to sunset and there was a APP world tour. And I said, like, Oh, well, that's my pathway, I guess. So I can go internationally and compete but before that in australia i was doing there, there was nothing like that was just literally there was the odd event here and there marimbula um i think that was it and then the local sydney paddle surfing club events but there was nothing for sup surfing or or um sup racing that from, from my knowledge yeah. anyway so that's something i guess maybe i guess i'd love to see it grow i'm not sure how you and i can probably help in some way but i'm not sure how that is yeah, I think it's something we've all got to work on and try and create. I, like for me, in coming at like not to the end of my career, but like being a, someone who's been around for, I guess, six years in stand up now, which is kind of a lot like a longer period. But obviously, two of those years have probably not been much racing or anything like that. But mm. you see that there needs to be more things going into place. But at the same time, nothing's really changed. Everyone always goes, "Oh, stand up's in like a bad place in Australia," but it's kind of the same spot it was in yeah. when I first started. Like, I think you're you had right. your twelve trials, you had your king of the cart. Like maybe. There's less of the original people who were there, but most people do sport as like a as hobby or a side thing to what they do with their work because their work is their main part of life and they have their own um, families and then they do a sport on the side. A lot of people change over their sports like every five years. Like you might have someone who focuses on digging for five years, suffer for five years. They might do surf ski and they might do golf or they might do, you know, they have yeah. these different things and it's all about that learning process, but because they have so much time focused on their work and their, their family life, they don't have a lot of time to focus on a sport. So they have to pick one every period. And once they get to a certain level, they've, they've done our learning period that we might be able to do in three months because we have that extra yeah, amount of a lot yeah. of time that we can do because we're a bit more flexible. So yeah, like it's, it's a weird one. And if, if Suppy is going to go somewhere or foiling is going to go somewhere, it definitely needs, um, the structure and organization a federation to get those things going it's it's just it's just obvious yeah yeah and it's I mean, interesting like interesting to see how you know obviously the sup in australia develops but also the, the foiling worldwide and i think probably from our experience in sap i can't really see foiling in australia all of a sudden becoming you know a federation or a organized tour or anything but 
you know, the downwind events, I think, will probably still go. You know, WA is always going to be a place that people flock to for the doctor and king of the cut. Um, 12 yeah. Towers is always going to be something that, you know, it's a nice local water sports event, I guess you'd call it, that people can flock to. But it'd be cool to have that sort of become a little bit more amalgamated and have a few more stops. And like Surf Life Saving has with, you know, the Ironman series, it'd be cool to have that for or like a more waterman sort of series. That event we did up at um, Malulba, something like that. Like with, I was I was chatting to Mick. I said we need to add foiling into this, and he's like, I'm not sure how many people would be able to do it. But I'm like, you know, I'm not sure how it is in WA. But when I walk along the beach here with my sap or my surfboard, no one looks looks at me twice. If I walk along yeah. with a foil board, people stop you and say, How does that work? What is it? You know, is there a motor? And so yeah. people see it and they're really excited by it. I think that's something that foiling could really um, used to its advantage. Yeah, well, I think that that event on Moolabar was it was really a surf life saving event, and they were just trying to mix things up. So it was very much tailored towards the the surf life savers, yeah. like even having the first two legs being board and swim. You know, like we were oh, pretty much knocked out. I was done by the swim. I'm like, like white flag. Yeah, we're like middle of we're like middle of off, I was middle of off season. Like I just done like yeah, a month fully. off in Europe, got, like having a holiday. I got three weeks notice, and I'm like, yeah, I'll start yeah. learning to paddle a ski. <laughs> It was great, but obviously it never happened again. The surf life saving yeah. community really kicked up a stink. But those type of events are the ones that are going to interest people, and and hopefully that things like that happen going forward. But yeah, there definitely needs to be plans put in place. I think um, it, it needs to come from a federation level to sort of set up different different events, and even having like three major events a year. Like stand up has kind of like the twelve towers, king of the cut, and then a few different events. Maybe, like I think there's a Clarence and Bungula. Yeah, Aussies. Yeah, but like you know, that that okay. doesn't really draw happens, a lot of people because it's, doesn't, it's gotta, doesn't really make sense qualify. to me. But you got to you got to qualify. I was yeah. like, oh, it doesn't. What, what are we doing that for? There isn't even that many people racing There's in Australia. Like, let's just have whoever wants to open go. go you know? Yeah, at least especially for the racing. Like, obvious, obviously for the racing, it's got to be open slather um, yeah. for it to grow anyway. Otherwise, it's going to continue being this little niche event, which. Yeah. 20 people rock up to and race, you know, which is kind of yeah. how it is at the moment. Yeah. But I think it's just like, there's not a lot of, not, not a lot of understanding about where you direct your comments to about how to make this better and who's actually interested in actually taking it to the next level here in Australia. Like, um, like at the moment overseas, the ICF is doing a lot of things. The ISA is doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like going forward, who do we, who do we reach out to? Like at least with the ICF, we got people we can reach out to, Paddle Australia, not super clear on about who no, or like anyway. who's, I don't even know if it's on their website. Like, you know, like they do post things about stand up paddling sometimes, but like I was the only Australian overseas in uh, racing for Australia. Yeah. Did you paddle get Australia, any and there was uniform? On the paddle Australia, you know? like, oh, yeah, I nothing. Get, I'd never got a uniform. I never got any, any support from them. So, you know, like you're representing this federation, which I don't because I just represent my sponsors because they're the people who actually helped me get around. Get but, there. If, if we're going to grow this sport and um, it's got to come from the federation level and hopefully something happens soon because it's it's a good sport and it's something that a lot of people do. Like if you talk to people for stand-up especially and, and for foiling, like these two sports, a lot of people are doing them, but there's there's clearly like even for us, there's not a lot of clear direction and we're sort of at the forefront of it. Yeah, and absolutely. And that's something that 
I'm hoping for future generations. Like, I don't want SUP to be a nothing sport because when I'm older, I'll be like, oh, I used to do this weird sport that no one does now. I want it to be yeah. something that grows to be something massive, you know, and that's yeah. like Molokai to Oahu. I hope that become continues to be this prestigious event, King of the Cut. I hope that grows to be something like Molokai to Oahu, you know, because it, yeah. it is something that's cool and it's something that I'm proud of, but, and I'll be proud of it regardless, but I'd love to see it grow. And yeah. hopefully in the future, maybe you and I can help that grow somehow and like i'd love to but i'm probably similar to you i don't know how i can help at the moment with my other commitments and whether a federation is to reach out or i don't know what and yeah yeah but yeah absolutely well if anyone's listening and wants to yeah (laughs) something or do something and make it work like you're always happy happy to listen but at the end of the day the people who are doing this stuff have to have it as a job it has to be they have to be making money from it like you can't have people doing things as volunteers and expect it to be amazing because they can only give so much of their time and they can only give um, so much to the sport that they love. And eventually it, it sort of wears, it wears you out. Like you can, you can't keep doing it because it's not being in any return for you. So yeah, you, you can't do something for nothing. Yeah. I think it's yeah. really interesting when, like when you and I travel overseas and there's, you know, Lincoln as well. And there's, you know, there's Bo O'Brien and Matt Nottich and there was a quite a big Aussie contingent for a while there. And everyone's like, oh, Australia must be, you know, have such a good sup scene. And it's like, we're all the outcasts that like no longer wanted to do the main, main sports. And we're just doing this other, you know, this niche sport that in Australia, like people, I'm sure it's the same for you sometimes. People, like if you say you're going overseas to, to race on a stand-up, remember the first time I said that to someone on a plane, they're like, you're racing on a stand-up? What a horrible thing to do. Like, why would you race? It's so peaceful to paddle a stand-up. And I'm like, oh, the boards are a little bit different. It's more like a surf ski and they just didn't get it. Um, yeah. And it's such uh, a, Nothing's changed. Yeah, nothing's changed. It's, it's, exa- it's actually probably... Well, there's less Aussies racing overseas now. You're the only one at the moment. Um, so yeah, hopefully in the future it does... Something happens. And maybe for the you know, downwind foiling, maybe that... I, I'm a bit more optimistic for foiling in Australia at the moment just because there is that it's the beginning of the, the curve where it's up. Well, I don't think it's dying. I think it's plateaued, you know, it's, it's plateauing. Yeah. So, and the fact that there is that wow factor with the foiling, maybe there'll be something that happens, but at the moment I'm probably feeling like if any sort of foiling event does happen, it'll be a wing sort of sailing sort of racing thing going on, which yeah, I'm not, I've seen that happening in Europe. Like they've been doing like those sailing, I think they did one in Hood River as well. It was like a sailing race essentially. Yeah um and they go they go back and forth i think fiona got second and maybe jeffrey won or something like that so there are things happening in that realm but um it is interesting that i find this like even if you look back stand-up paddlers are, are really like the early adopters or this yeah, absolutely. culture the culture yeah. or even like the innovators you know like they're the people who are like happy to jump on things and change but they're the people who are, will quickly change to something else you know you've like, seen that yeah and you've seen that happen quite drastically like coming from uh 12 sixes to go to 14s to go to unlimited and then picking up the foil going downwinding on that and doing the dinging and then like what's next for those people you know like they, they're gonna keep changing that they're that that type of thing so whatever's next i'll just do that one so yeah. they're kind of the people you can't really base your like if you're if you're really focused on stand-up you can't really base your opinions on those people or if you focus on foiling or downwind foiling those people are going to change as well. So you've got to kind of find people who are fixed on that one and just kind of keep growing with it. Yeah. I think you yeah. nail on the head there. It's, it has changed so much. Like here in Sydney, we used to have a training group of probably eight to 15 people that would do every Tuesday, Thursday morning. 
they'd be training. And, and now yeah. there's, I think, three people left and the rest of the 10 or 12 are out on the subfoil catching waves. And that's yeah. like, they're doing that every morning now, not just Tuesday, Thursdays. And the, the training group is, you know, lucky to get five people most mornings, which is whether it's a COVID thing, whether it's that change thing, whether it's because there's no races, I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like to, I kind of see the wing foiling as maybe a way that we can grow that foiling space and then maybe get them to transition into whether it be sup foiling or like a waterman's event somehow, like Hood River's done, I guess, was a good example of it. Yeah, Australian, Australian market is just so different. I think Australian, the Australian market and the Hawaiian market very similar like they're they're kind of like innovators they want to jump on new things and they're very wind sport orientated but the, the surprising thing and i guess the cool thing about someone who does stand up like myself i go to europe and like it's it's exploding over there like it's mm. just incredible what's happening over there for stand-up paddling and then i come back home and it's like yeah as you say like three people going to sessions like what's the difference like why yeah. is it so i know such a difference like it's like two different worlds it and is. Like, even i think the us is starting to pick up stand-up racing again i'm just not sure if it's just because we're so used to being on the ocean and being around like and then because we live mainly on the coast is it is, is that the major influence like similar to Hawaii, you're on an island, like you're around the coastline all the time. So you do more wind and ocean orientated sports. Yeah, it's it's something that I, I can't really understand necessarily. Like I yeah. get it, but I also, it's, it's very, very challenging to try and work out what the next thing is for the sport here in Australia. Because obviously like there's a lot of good athletes coming out of Australia for these sports, but not not the direction, not the stoke that I'm seeing overseas. Yeah, and that's, I guess, something that I guess Europe has always been. Like, you look at windsurfing in Europe, it was probably a similar thing. Windsurfing in Europe was massive, but in Australia, I'm not sure it ever got to anything like the levels it was over there or, or in the US. So maybe it's a, that kind of the European culture, I guess. It's just, it, it is different. And I guess there's, there's less sports to compete. I say less sports to compete with, less ocean or water sports to compete with over there is, is how I see it. And, I actually haven't been to Europe since Denmark. So that's the only event that I've really even competed in over there. And I've, I've got to get over for a Euro tour, but I've, um, I, I see you dominate and I'm like, oh, we can have that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'll have yeah, to go well, there that's, eventually. That's just where I've done, done a lot. Oh. Of, like, I've done five years over there now. So that's kind of just where I, I kind of do most of my racing because that's where the most of the races are actually. Yeah. You think it's about so it. true. Yeah. Like it's hard to like, 2019 i think i did three races like uh or maybe four races m2m m2o king of the cut and um 12 towers and i think you did all those races as well except for m2m but uh, 20 others over in europe and so i'd done you yeah. know five or six races and you'd done and dominated in europe and i think that year is i think i've said it to you before but that was the year that i think i was the only person that had beat you every time which isn't yeah. really something to be stoked about because I just didn't compete against you in the things that you were training hard for. And I was yeah. different focuses, I guess. Um, but you were doing everything. Yeah. Well, and, then, and then all the races that we, that we raced on, I think were unlimited as well. So it wasn't even like the, the same sport. It like was it's, completely it's, different. You know, yeah. it's kind of the same, but it's kind of different. It's like doing digging and doing downwind foiling or something similar, you know, yeah. like it's, it is different, similar, sure. but not the same. So yeah, yeah it was, um, yeah. Well, that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah. I'll stake you were willing to compete in 
the stuff that I was focusing on as well, well as that, the stuff good that you're dominating like, you, you on. Kind oh, of, yeah. You kind of take those selfish things. Like I know that in like after Worlds, like I was so stoked that Titwan was willing to race mm. next week in Montenegro because it gave me an opportunity to race him who's like the informed guy. Like and that's what we sort of had a chat about it after the race. Yeah. I was like, oh, thanks, thanks. Just thanks for racing because it's up. like yeah. so good for me to be able to do that. And for the sport, I think, you know, the more people that enter races um, is the better. Uh, I'm going to start wrapping up, but I think it's worth mentioning Nowick as well. What a standout event he had at ICF. um, I was pretty proud of him. You know, we've we've both seen him grow up, but obviously me being same, I guess, team Sonova with him, it was pretty cool to see him smash that out. Um, I love, he's a pretty passionate, he's a pretty funny fella, you know, he was, he's, he's unique. Um, in probably every, you know, he's got his tattoos and he's, I don't know, you haven't seen him, I haven't seen him for a long time, but he's looking strong. Like he looks like he's grown a bit and he's got some, yeah. he's got some oh, guns. It's, it's great to see just the young, like the young contingent coming through, you know, like with Noek and, and Clement and mm. I guess a few of the other guys. I think that's positive for the sport in general and in stand up because you've got that next generation coming through. Like you don't want 30 year olds like myself and, and yourself and Titan yeah. and, like Connor and Daniel and those guys are getting yeah. like 28 now as well. So there hasn't really been anyone who's come through and, and threatened to win races. You know, like you go to the whole season and there'd be like five guys who can actually win a race. Like there'd be guys who can mix up the podium spots at the top six, but to win and then he sort of won in quite a dominant fashion. So it was good to see because as you said, I went to New Caledonia back in 2013 yeah. or 14 and gave him his first board, you know, like I was signing autographs with him. I stayed at his family house and yeah. it's quite cool to see him progressing to the, the person and the athlete is because he's quite a good guy as well. And is, yeah. we, had a, we, had, we had a few beers after the race and uh, we had a good time. So yeah, it's just good. It's good to see some new blood and it's, it's a new challenge, I think for all of us. So uh, he's definitely the, the guy to beat. But when you look back at 2019, he was really surging in that year. And I, no. I kind of felt, I think I said it a few times, but I, I felt sorry for those guys who didn't get the opportunity as a young guy coming through to, to race in 2020 and 2021. I know I did a few events against Tituan over in France, but not having that level of competition that we sort of were allowed, allowed to have in those previous years, mm. it was quite, I think it's quite hard. It was quite awesome to see like his mental strength and his yeah, persistence. Um, resolve yeah. and persistence to come through and, and, and get those results. So uh, all credit to him. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. I was, I was very proud. Like, like you said, like kind of big brother. Like, you know, like oh, I was similar thing. I went over to Newcastle and stayed at his family home. And it was, yeah, I was, he was very, um, when the whole foiling stuff came through, I was always badgering him. Like, when are you going to learn to foil? No, like, you know, you live in Newcastle, epic downwind run. And he was like, no, nah, not until I'm, you know, good enough on the SUP racing. And I'm like, ah, you're already fast enough. You know, I was like sort yeah. of trying to get him to come to the dark side of foiling. Um, yeah. But he, yeah credit to him he he put in the hard yards and um i was stoked to see it yeah 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 some very impressive performances yeah so i guess i want to thank you for coming on on michael it was um good to catch up and like you said it's been what eight or seven or eight months since we saw each other last and um i was stoked to watch you compete overseas and i I want to see you do some more of the the foiling when you get back home just relax a little bit mate enjoy the downwinders (laughs) yeah and, I'm sure uh, I will. Once once I hit December, January, when like I think there's a few races happening still in Perth, so I'll do the surf ski and the stand up races, and um, I'm coaching a lot with Serena Surf Club yeah. now, so that's sort of taking up a lot of my time. But um, I'll I'll try and get through into a few of the downwinders with uh, Marcus and Nathan, and hopefully there's no weed this year. Hopefully yeah, we can get rid the of the weed. weed. That's, 
weed gate. Yeah, it's that's horrible. A whole, that's a whole yeah. other, other topic. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I guess hopefully if it's actually coaching, maybe you can get some of those youngsters into stand-up and, and winging and foiling. And, and I'm, not, I'm sure it's, it is surf life saving, but you got a little bit of pull, I'm sure. So um, Yeah, the goal, the goal is to get some downwinders going. They haven't done many, so I'm, I'm planning to start to set awesome. up a couple of downwinds a week and, and get us doing different stuff that we haven't really done before. Yeah, get that next generation of, of you know, ocean, um, ocean sports people coming through because at the moment after us, there's... I know we're 30s, but below us, I feel like there's not many youngsters coming through in the SUP. And, um, yeah, well, the only one that's come through is uh, Kalen this year. Like he's oh, that's true, season. actually. <laughs> he's, a he's, he's obviously paddling super yeah. fast. I haven't yeah. raced him, obviously. I can't wait till you race him because yeah. I honestly yeah, think he's... I, yeah. I reckon he'll give, it, give me a good run. And I think he'll still have him in the bumps. He's, he's got a bit to learn there, as yeah. you showed well, in 12 Towers. Yeah, yeah hours, he was a bit back, but I'm sure he'll improve. Like I feel like he was he's at a similar a stage that I was at when I first came into stuff. I couldn't turn, I couldn't um yeah. I couldn't trim my board. I, I knew I sort of knew what I needed to do, but I couldn't do it at the start. I knew yeah. how to paddle well, but it's one of those things. But Ty's obviously still there. He, that's right as well. MC, he's injured at the moment. That MCL but... injury that we're talking about injuries and he was surfing in Tori's MCL or ACL or something like that. So Yeah. And Nathan but, Cross as well. I guess like I'm yeah getting all those guys um yeah there's a few guys and actually at 12 towers there's actually a pretty good turnout like i, I i'd say that's probably one johnny of the hagan strongest, yeah yeah strongest australian fields that i've seen in a while like you've got even like jackson cosgroves coming like he's been doing a fair few races obviously we haven't really been able to see what all these guys are doing but that's exactly I reckon that top 10 at 12 towers was quite pretty quite competitive a solid australian field yeah yeah and obviously yeah. Lincoln, but we're, I guess we're... we're I, I, I grew up Lincoln and with us is our sort of generation anyway, you know, because yeah. he was paddling, he's a bit younger than us, but he's been amongst it all with us at the same time. So, yeah, yeah it'd be cool to see sure. how it all progresses. And, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks again for coming on, mate. And um, no we'll be me. in touch soon. All right. Cheers, mate. See you later.